Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello, Rush Nation, and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. I am your host today. There's no Rich. He is taking a well-earned holiday um, with his family. So I am your host, Liam, or at the FSA Tweets. And today I have a very special guest, one of our dynasty writers. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of banter going back and forth with who we support. If you're watching the live stream, you can see the jerseys that we're wearing right now. Um, so I'm not going to say any more than that. Lewis, how are you doing, mate? I'm really good, thank you, mate. Uh, I've, I've not been writing much recently because I recently had an ankle operation, uh, but I actually took my first steps today. Uh, so even outside of the uh, the NFL dynasty world, things are pretty good for me. Um, and yeah, that's all I really want to talk about for the last week. Uh, you know, given the given the jerseys we've got on at the moment, I, <laughs> I feel I feel best to reflect on personal achievements more so than uh, anything that our, our, our teams did. <laughs> well... I've, I won't bring it up if you won't, but all I'm going to say for those podcast listeners, obviously, you know, I'm a Packers fan. Luis is wearing a Rams jersey. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, the, the upsetting thing is obviously having, um, I support a team that won even less games than Rich's team uh, in November, and Rich is a Jets fan, and that's really <laughs> saying something. <laughs> you said it, not me. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not taking the mickey. Right, so let's move on. So support to the 5-Yard Dynasty podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. So Rich is the one that normally does these um, ad reads. So Manscaped is the best in the 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 below-the-waist grooming for men. We have an exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code 5-Yard. And they've released the Lomo 4.0, where it's got three different length blades, um, it's got an LED light and Rich raves about it. I just echo him. Um, I don't normally need to say anything because he goes on about it so much, but I will echo him here. It is great. It's a game changer. Um, it's something that I never really thought of um, until we got this uh, product. And then, um, yeah, just completely changed everything I think about down there. So 
20% off world free worldwide shipping with the code five yard. So cocktail of the week. Normally I have Rich hand it over to me, so I'm gonna have to do it to myself. So this is a hurricane. You do lime juice, orange juice, pineapple juice, rum, passion fruit, liqueur, and syrup, and passion fruit syrup. Louis, are you a massive cocktail drinker? It, it sounds delicious. I'm I'm normally just a, a very, very simple uh, double whiskey with a couple of blocks of ice. So I think as far away as you can get from a cocktail, but also <laughs> uh, very, very happy to have one when it gets much further into the night. Uh, and I've had a, a few of something else in me, but that sounds delicious. Honestly, try it. It's really easy to make. It's mostly equal parts as well. So um, it's really not a hard drink to make. So moving on to the high scorers. This week, it was, I wouldn't say it's a down week, but um, we definitely didn't see eye-popping numbers from a lot of the usual um, suspects. So at the quarterback position, we had Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, and that Prescott's three names that you kind of expect to be around the top five, top three. Yeah, and also kind of natural in terms of when you were looking at uh, the games going in, uh, there were games with quite high over-unders. Um, the, the Bills less so, but I think Josh Allen has a bit of a pattern after lower games that he comes back with a vengeance. Um, but then if you look at Dak's performance and Aaron Rodgers' performance, they were both sort of expected in games that we were expecting to be shootouts. I mean, I'm glad you brought up that because last week I mentioned that I started Dak over Hertz and um, Hertz got me, or Dak got me about one or two points while Hertz got 30. This week I did it the other way around and look what happened this week. So that league, even though I still won both matchups, it's not pretty. No, well, I think I, that's, it was still good. Like, so looking back at the... Um the Chiefs game because I did a similar thing in terms of starting a few or basically any Cowboys option that I had um I have a league where I have uh the Dak Amari stack um I can't remember if, if Amari was still healthy for the Chiefs game but uh either way like you get very very excited going into these big matchups but actually just because it doesn't go the way it was supposed to doesn't mean that it was the wrong process um <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I'm with you there. Rich consoled me with that sentiment, so I'll just echo it again. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll keep that. So moving on to the running pack position, remember this is PPR for every position. You've got Leonard Fournette had an absolutely monster week. Um, five touchdowns, four touchdowns, four touchdowns. Four touchdowns, four touchdowns, um, but a couple of them in the air, which is really interesting that we weren't expecting um, this kind of a season from Fournette. And I think people... Last season, we saw people really scrambling to try and think who would be um, the the back to own uh, in the Tampa Bay backfield. Um, this season, it felt like coming into the year, even though we obviously had playoff Lenny, it felt like coming into the year, people went, I don't want any shares in this. I, I, I don't want um, to be part of part of the issue. And especially when they brought in Gio Bernard and we thought, OK, so the early down work, who knows what's going to end up happening. Um, but Leonard Fournette is now the running back five in PPR um, and he has had kind of a monster last few weeks but he's really really taken the shareholder of that of that work and, and especially given Ronald Jones has scored touchdowns the last two weeks as well um, Gio Bernard is barely seeing the field now but um, Leonard Fournette has the stranglehold of the um, of the passing down work he's shown obviously pass protection a big thing for Tom Brady but you know, that's going to be a really high scoring team aside from occasionally when they play the Saints, which seems to be, <laughs> seems to be um, uh, his kryptonite. But, you know, Leonard Fournette's a really exciting option at the moment. And talking dynasty, even though he's the running back five, I think you're in a similar situation with the Cordero Patterson type that I think you can still get him pretty cheap. I think you can get him for a late one or perhaps even an early two. Um, so, a, a, you know, a real buy if you're heading into playoffs and and maybe you've suffered from one of the running back injuries that we're going to come on into in a minute. Yeah, definitely. I, I think if your trade deadline hasn't passed, Leonard Fournette is definitely an option. Maybe buying after this week is not going to be as cheap as he was the week uh, prior to the week. But yeah, yeah. Um, definitely prior to, to the week, it was seeming that Fournette, the value wasn't really there with his production. So 
like other otherwise in the running back position we had joe mixon having another great game um he he's really putting on a absolute show this season and then elijah mitchell um what a week for him i me and rich have always said if you know who the running back one in that backfield is going to be you start them but no one ever knows and that's the issue but elijah mitchell absolutely great Moving on to the wide receiver position, we've got Jalen Waddle, T. Higgins, and then Adam Thielen. Thielen having a two-touchdown game. All he seems to do is catch touchdowns and then not a whole lot else. Yeah, and it's it's the classic kind of Mike Evans stat line that we're used to. But uh, Adam Thielen coming into this year, a lot of people were fading him. Um, I think that, you know, the phrase touchdown regression is something which is really banded about. Um, and kind of understandably, because we know that that's what happens. We know that touchdowns aren't a sticky stat. Um, maybe for Adam Thielen, they are. He's, he's. I'm just trying to find. I mean, talking ten, about ten on the year. That's the same as Mike Evans. Like I, I saw Mike Evans had ten this year, and everyone seems to believe that Mike Evans is just a touchdown machine. So I don't see why that doesn't translate to Thielen. Thielen mm-hmm. Charlie, the past two years, he is a red zone monster. And um, when you've got Justin Jefferson on the other side, and then we'll go, come on to this in a little bit, but Dalvin Cook in the backfield, you've got three elite options that you've got to prepare for. And you can't just leave a tight end running across the middle of the field or um, or even two. So, yeah, and um, it's, it's, it's really something to be said as well for um, being the quarterback's favourite read or first read in the end zone. That is very clearly the case for Kirk Cousins, that the first thing he does is to look where Adam Thielen is. And if you're as proficient as he is in red zone targets, he's going to end up getting a lot of scores. Uh, They're they're a team with a pretty prolific offence and a not-so-fantastic defence, and that's kind of fantasy gold. Yep. No, I'm with you. I was on Adam Thielen coming into the year knowing that it was more of a... Uh, by now and you're probably not going to get the same value coming out of the season but if you contend yeah. in Adam Thieler is definitely helping you yeah I actually sold him before the season in a uh, a dynasty league where I'm now uh, 11 and 1 uh, and the price wasn't something I'm particularly happy with at this point uh, especially given we were just talking about because it was what's now projected to be 205 or 204 somewhere around there and Ronald Jones and it was because I didn't really have any running back depth and I fell into the trap of maybe Ronald Jones will take a bit more of the work. Good That's price before the season, but exactly the, as you said, the process was there. It just it is difficult to see. Not, I don't think anyone really projected Ronald Jones being in the doghouse for ninety percent of this season so far. No. Moving on to the tight ends, we've got Jack Doyle, who was probably on your waiver wire, and if you had him on your lineup, how active have you been this season? <laughs> um, so. Yeah, Jack Doyle, tight end one. Rob Gronkowski, tight end two. He he didn't score a touchdown, I don't think, but he definitely got all those targets. And then Dawson Knox as the tight end three. Dawson Knox having an absolutely great season, Lewis. Yeah, Dawson Knox is breaking up the way that we we sort of hope tight ends to do towards the, the third or fourth year. And that's actually something which I think is interesting to talk about from the dynasty perspective is um, sort of Kyle Pitts aside and actually Frymouth is having an unbelievable rookie season, kind of going a little bit um, unnoticed just because the focus is on Pitts as it was justifiably around draft time. But we always talk about kind of breakout age and when we expect players to really explode into fantasy relevancy and we know with the tight end position that it normally takes a a few extra years especially to learn the position it's very complicated but also to bulk up in the way that you can actually be a proficient blocker in the nfl so if you're a proper tight end and not a kyle pitts mike gasecki type where you you actually play more wide receiver than anything else you're more of a big slot um it, it does take a while to learn the position but in dynasty uh people who aren't so used to dynasty they expect uh instant production from every player that they have on their roster and you may be unwilling to have someone sit there and go okay i've picked up this rookie tight end i picked up brevin jordan in the rookie draft this year in the fourth um oh he's not doing anything i'll drop him well actually that was a bad process because you should have drafted him knowing i'm gonna have to sit this person on my roster for three years um 
what you can do instead obviously taxi squads are quite useful here but what i quite like to do actually is to try and take advantage of that that if there's been quite a um quite a low rookie year for a tight end see if you can buy low on them um you probably would have been able to buy dawson knox this off season um for what a third at a push yeah i think like, most people would have taken maybe two fourths or just a, a throwing player someone like uh like uh, Van Jefferson, I'm probably sure a lot of people would yeah. have taken your deal on there. So I know Van Jefferson has been doing well this season, but I echo everything you've just said. Dawson Knox, for me, I mentioned him kind of like a tongue-in-cheek mention at the start of the season um, when we were talking about tight ends breaking out and who, who we like for the season, um, purely based on his um, profile and coming into his third year. And um, I think with Knox specifically, you've got a lot of talent there and it's a great offense. But it, he, he is more of an exception to the rule. He's kind of like what Tonyan or Tonyan and um, Logan Thomas did last year where they went really undrafted and then all of a sudden have become mainstays. And I can see, even though Dawson Knox isn't doing as well as those two are now or did last year, I don't think you're going to see Dawson Knox drafted as highly. Um, but yeah, th- this, this is the sort of thing I talk about when we come around to rookie season is don't draft a tight end in the rookie draft, unless it's something like a Kyle Pitts um, or someone. I, For example, I drafted Noah Fant in my first year in both of my dynasty leagues, and that's done well. Um, but I'd rather have spent my second round pick on something else looking back on it. Yeah. But, yeah, just I, I don't draft tight ends in yeah. the third or fourth. Go for a <laughs> random running back like Rich always mentions. Yeah. And then you, you'll get instant return. And most likely by their third year, you're picking them up on waivers anyway. Exactly, exactly. And and there's it's sort of a known thing that every single year you will have a breakout tight end off the waiver wire. And it's everything that you don't like about the fantasy position is that it can be entirely yeah. random. Uh, sort of summarised by the fact that Jack Doyle was the tight end one this week. Um, and as we, you know, this seems to be a processed themed show. If you started Jack Doyle on fantasy this week, that was bad process. It might have worked out but that was desperation if you were having to start him. Um, there's no real way of projecting it at all. Um, that in terms of then picking someone up off the wire, you know, you spoke about obviously Tanyan uh, and Logan Thomas. Darren Waller was a, a huge wave yeah. wire ad when he first initially broke out. Even Mark Andrews came off the wave wire. Um, it really seems like a this is how the position is going to continue to shake out. You're going to have a few elite options at the top. Um, although they seem to be dropping like flies. Um, and then aside from that, it's whoever you can pick up. And, you know, it's a redraft strategy, but I really told myself going into my redraft leagues this year, if I wasn't getting one of my top three or four, I was drafting them with my last pick because I have mm. no no interest in those middle round tight ends ever. I, I did the same in some of my dynasty startups this year. If I didn't get the top three or four, I was looking at was punting the position. I, I think in one of my leagues, I punted until the 17th round or something, just because I didn't want to take anyone as highly as they were. I think I got CJ yeah. Uzama, who's been fine. He's there you go. <laughs> I, I liked him going into last season. He showed a bit and then got injured. And it, it's not like... It, it's not like I knew CJ Uzama was going to break out, but he's done well to, for, yeah. for where I drafted him. Tie ten thirty three, I think he was. Like it, you don't need to be spending that draft capital, in my opinion. I'd rather take a wide receiver where you're taking your tight end six seven. Exactly, and but, it's it's and, always about looking at kind of the where you can slot in and see if you're drafting Travis Kelsey at the back of the one, he's going to finish as the running back three or the wide receiver three in PPR leagues. If you're drafting a tight end in the middle rounds, you're drafting someone who probably would be finishing as the wide receiver 60, somewhere around around there. Would you be playing them in your flex spot if you could? No. That is p- precisely why I pointed so far in a lot of leagues. <laughs> so after Lewis has got me on a tight end rant again, that was I'm sure that was his only goal of coming on the podcast this week. Yeah. Let's it's move just... on to some significant news. What are you gonna say? Sorry, Lewis. I was just gonna say it's distracting you from the Rams Packers game. That's that's really the aim. 
Yeah. Well, well, as I said, I won't bring it up if you want, but as you did, <laughs> the Packers did win, and um, I'm very happy about it. Um, so, significant news. We have uh, a plethora of running back news, which is never good, but as... Um, you should probably know by now from me and Rich always talking about it, running backs get injured a lot more than any other position. So I'm not saying it's going to be like this every week because obviously it hasn't if you go through the season, but it's definitely not been good. Um, So first of all, Dalvin Cook dislocated his shoulder during the game. Um, He's potentially out for three weeks. Take it like keep an eye on it because that shoulder is not good for Dalvin Cook. Um, yeah. he, he's re injured it multiple times, so just make sure you keep an eye out on that. Christian McCaffrey is headed back to IR, which means he's done for the season. He came out of the um, game and he was in a walking boot, so yeah, he's back to IR. That's an immense loss for everyone, not only for obviously the player himself, but the Panthers. And an absolute massive loss for anyone that was trying to contend. I know that I was. I'm trying to contend in one league where I sent uh, Elijah Moore and a first for Christian McCaffrey, and luckily it got uh, declined. But the, I suppose if I'll, I'll preface that with the first is on the borderline of playoffs. So if he didn't make the playoffs, it would have been something like the 103. Okay. So it would have been worth it. But then if they did make the playoffs, it was going to be 107, 108. So yeah. um, I'm not saying it was a great offer, just making sure that people don't think I'm trying to rip people off. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Christian McCaffrey out for the season. It's it's really, really horrible news, but it, it really fits into everything that we've spoken about, about um, the, the dangers of, holding, of uh, still holding older running backs. Um, Christian McCaffrey is a really interesting one because he sort of managed to avoid the injury-prone label that other backs with similar injury history have taken on. Um, he's really missed as much time as Saquon Barkley the last couple of years. Now, obviously, uh, Barkley's MCL tear last year is a harder injury to come back from than McCaffrey's, which was, I think, repeated hamstring injuries last year. Um, so it is a more difficult one to recover from, but he managed to sort of avoid the injury brand label coming in. He was still going at the top of drafts um, and Saquon was sneaking to the back of the first, even into the second. Um, if I'm holding CMC in any league where I have him, uh, just because you're not going to get anywhere near value at the moment, um, unfortunately, the sort of teams that will own CMC, uh, unless they're exceptionally well-built, will normally have CMC as their their really one prime asset because you have to give up if you didn't draft him you have to you had to give up so much to get him you know we we talk about the the sort of prices you're seeing for JT at the moment it, it, that was even higher with CMC a few years ago um that it, it that may potentially and well definitely has ruined a few people's seasons that he's been out um if i'm if you've not passed trade led de- de- uh, deadlines and i actually don't particularly like them so anything I commission doesn't have them. If I'm rebuilding, I'm probably offering something for him now uh, and it's going to be absolutely nothing. Um, But just to see uh, if I have, if I'm in a league where uh, I'm rebuilding and the contending team has CMC, I'm going in with James Connor in a first, Leonard Fournette in a first, something that's going to give them that running back to help them this season because at this point, they're probably so knee deep into playoffs in that they're going to now be panicking that they're going to go out first round. Can you see if you can exploit that as a rebuilding manager? Um, And then potentially my plan, definitely if I were to do that would then be to sell CMC early next season when he starts to explode again, as we know he will. I mean, CMC, he's in the top eight in points per game. Yeah, <laughs> he he. I I saw a tweet yesterday where it said something along the lines of um, Christian McCaffrey's only had just over six hundred and fifty rushing yards on the season. I'm like, that's great, but let me have a look at the stats. So when I looked, he has another five hundred receiving, which took him up to at one thousand one hundred and fifty. Yeah. Um, total scrimmage yards in ten games. Yeah, it's, it's well, absolutely I, ridiculous. It, I, I believe it was even less than 10 games if you take the snaps. 
he he had over a thousand scrimmage yards in ten games. That that's crazy for for someone, especially a running back. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. We'll, we'll move on. So DeAndre Hopkins, um, DeAndre Swift, not Hopkins, Swift. Um, he left the game with a shoulder injury again, two to three weeks. Um, Darren Waller has a knee knee injury. He left the game and didn't return after half time, but he's likely back next week. I think you need to keep an eye on this, Lewis. But yeah, he could be out this week. I, I I'm hoping he's back, and I think reports are trending that way. But I think the uh, the Raiders might be a bit more skeptical about bringing him back. Yeah, uh, the, the reason I've highlighted this one as a Darren Waller owner in in quite a lot of my leagues actually, when I looked at shares, I think I own him in five out of eight, uh, and. Darren Waller is one of the only tight ends that I kind of consider handcuffing. Um, the Raiders have shown that when they when Waller has missed time, they use Foster Moreau in a very similar way. And especially right now when the Raiders don't really have any other sort of premium red zone threat, uh, tight ends are pretty much only good for red zone targets if they're not a volume play as about three or four of them are. Um if I own Waller, I'm probably looking to pick up Moreau off waivers, um, and I'm kind of happy starting him if Waller ends up missing time. I think if you're a Waller owner, you're probably happy with him missing one week, so long as you don't desperately, desperately need to win this week to make playoffs, um, because you'd be happier to have him for four playoffs um, than for him to re-aggravate this week. Yeah, but as we've spoken about the tight end position, you could probably pick someone off waivers who's going to be the tight end one, so... Jack Doyle. <laughs> exactly. So AJ Brown, rib contusion. He is on IR out for three games, which includes this week because it is the, the Titans bye week. Um, so he's out for the next four weeks, three the next three games. Um, the the Titans offense has been decimated. They've lost Julio Jones. He's, Julio Jones hasn't really played. AJ Brown's been in and out. And then they obviously lost Derrick Henry earlier in the season for the rest of potentially this season. I know that there was talk about him coming back for the real NFL playoffs, but um, yeah, that, that offense has just been decimated. So Ryan Tannehill now is throwing to Josh Reynolds, I believe is on the Titans. No, it's on the, it's on the Lions now. Oh, it was on the line. Uh, um, so, so even worse than Josh Reynolds. Yeah. So who would have been there? Marcus first? Johnson, I think. There is you one, go, Marcus Johnson. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember. I genuinely, it, it says a lot that, that two it's, people it's that is in the Noah's ass can't remember. Exactly. That's the point. Um, but yeah, I think the AJ Brown injury opens up a little bit of a buy window. Um, yeah. I know that he's not been great this week, uh, this season, but maybe there's a little bit of a buy window. I know he's definitely dropped in people's dynasty rankings. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, you've got at the moment um, a group of young studs, you know, your Chases, your Lambs, your DKs, your Jeffersons, and AJ Brown was the fifth in that group and is really starting to drop off in people's rankings. Um, the injuries are one thing that you really have to take into account, but it should give you a nice window that you can buy him at a price that you won't be able to buy any of the others. Um, maybe an early first gets him now as opposed to, what, three early firsts getting the others? Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. So... Just looking at the wide receiver ones for, for good podcasting, we should tell the listeners who they are. So Chester Rogers, who I believe was cut from the Colts last season or yep. was just let go in free agency. Des Fitzpatrick, the rookie, and Nick Westbrook, Akeen, who I believe is also a rookie. Oh, no, he's, he's, he's got one year under his belt. So They did, not... ac- they did actually just sign Golden Tate. Uh, he wasn't... Uh, he's on the practice squad now, so if he you're can't desperate, be alleviated if he needs to, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So I suppose you know Golden Tate could be the wide receiver one, but it's not exactly the excitement we had for AJ Brown and Julio Jones. No, definitely not. So over in Chicago, Justin Fields has a rib fracture, so we know that they were looking into a potential rib bruise, and we thought he was going to be back this week, and. That seems to have changed, and they did actually find a fracture eventually. Um, so he's potentially out two to three weeks. So Andy Dalton's taking over there. Zeke, um, Ezekiel Elliott, knee bruise, out for potentially three weeks. 
Dan Arnold has hit IR. I know that me and Rich spoke about that, uh, about Dan Arnold, I believe it was last week or the week before. Um, he's hit IR with an MCL sprain, so he's out for three weeks. Um, and then Debo Samuel um, came out from the game after having an Im- immense season. He's potentially out for two to four weeks. So that's someone that is probably helping contenders um, contend and get, and get to those playoffs. And they potentially lose him going into what the first week of playoffs, maybe in two yeah. weeks' time. Um, so that's someone that you need to keep an eye on. By weeks, we're looking at Green Bay, um, the Cleveland Browns, the Carolina Panthers, and as we've already mentioned, the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, a lot of premium options that you're going to be missing right now. Um, I yeah. just wanted to actually to, to bring us back to Debo. Um, I'd be really interested to know because I've, I was thinking about him recently and it was because I was thinking about just rejigging my rankings as we approach the end of the season. What sort of price would you be willing to buy Debo Samuel for right now? Um, I'd probably be cheeky and max go first and second. But I'm not looking to buy that offense because we're going to see Trey Lance next year. I know that um, Carl Shanahan did leave the door open for Garoppolo to start next year, although I don't think that's happening. No. Um, I just don't know how Trey Lance is going to run that offense. And yes, I agree that Shanahan will always get the ball into his playmaker's hands. And Debo Samuel has been their most dynamic playmaker. But I just wonder how much of the ball Debo is going to see. Um, yeah. may- maybe it turns out that Debo does help in the long run with such a low ADAR that he already has. Yeah. Uh, Lance needs that low ADAR along with Kittle being around a low ADAR as well, or lowish ADAR. Yeah. So potentially um, Debo even helps Lance, but I, like I said at the start of the season, I don't like that offence for trying to no. pick out who's going to be um who's going to be a boom week. We we thought it was going to be a Kittle coming into the season. Obviously, that's now Debo. So um, I'm probably going first and second, and that's probably a little bit cheeky. People are probably looking for two firsts. Yeah, I think I agree. I've, I've really got these images in my head of um, the old triple option that I used to like running on Madden as a kid <laughs> with uh, with Trey Lance in the middle, Debo on one side and Elijah Mitchell on the other. Um, but no, I think I think I agree. I mean, that's the sort of why I wanted to ask is because I still feel... Um, I mean, I don't like buying uh, players who have jumped in the middle of the season, who have exploded because you're just buying at peak value. And that's not the way I like to run things. Like I'm more likely to be selling Cooper Cup right now uh, than I am to be buying him. Um, But that's sort of why I wanted to ask, because I don't think if I, uh, I was, yeah, if I had an early first, which uh, not to brag, I don't have many of, um, (laughs) I, I don't know if I'd be willing to send an early first. For Devo, uh, and I think I'm wrong. I think that 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 is his value that you'd be you'd be looking for two firsts for him. But yeah, it still worries me that I I think this might be the high for him as opposed to this being the new normal. Yeah, I I, I do think that this is a high. But if you're not sending at least a first um, or potentially an early first, you're probably not getting him at this point. So yeah. Um. So let's move on, Lewis. Dynasty stock market. We'll start with the risers as usual. Um, a guy that you wanted to speak about who I thought was an absolutely great um, guy to, to start talking about is Kendrick Bourne. So he's the wide receiver 25 um, it, overall on the season, but he's the wide receiver 39 in points per game. Um, so I, I just think that's a crazy stat line for any person to have. I, yeah. I mean, you, you tend to see them within five to ten spots um, between their overall season and their points per game. But to see him drop 14 spots, um, I think that's a, a massive drop. But I don't like him. I just don't see him being the, the number one target over in New England. Can, can you sell me a little bit more on Kendrick Bourne? So the the reason why I wanted to talk about Kendrick Bourne is less as a this is the player to buy that's going to be the new wide receiver one on your dynasty team, but more if you're playing in a PPR league, which is what we always talk about, um, Kendrick Bourne is a really solid floor play for your wide receiver three position. Um, we are seeing a, you know a huge difference between beginning of the season Kendrick Bourne 
um, and then the recent weeks. Um, so, so I noted here that these since week seven, um, there's only been one game that he's had under four receptions. Uh, and I know none of these stat lines are going to absolutely blow you away because if they were blowing you away, I wouldn't have to sell you on him. Um, but <laughs> Mac Jones is really starting to come into his own running in the offense. We're seeing a really, really stable pocket presence from him. You know, he's really good at just distributing the ball to his playmakers. Um, and he's starting to show a connection with Bourne that I don't think we're seeing between him and uh any other of the wide receivers you know the patriots spent weird money on the wide receiver position in free agency now smagalore is really not doing anything uh jacoby myers is there who is the leader in targets um but i don't think is dynamic in the same way that kendrick Bourne is kendrick Bourne has uh a really really good spectacular catchability as we see every couple of games from him um but is actually finding his way in the red zone a little bit as well um, so with kind of a stable floor of receptions that we've seen recently, um, along with some touchdown upside, he's actually a really solid wide receiver three. Um, and he's in he's in the similar range at the moment um, as players like uh, Darnell Mooney and Devonta Smith. Um, and I know, obviously, he's older. It's a different situation. Um, but he's not really being spoken about for fantasy at all. Um, and he's been performing really, really well. Uh, for fantasy, especially the last few weeks. And I think it's someone that, in terms of looking at the dynasty stock market, is is a riser that I would be willing to send maybe a late two for, an early three, because you could definitely buy him for that. And most people, he was a wave wire pickup. Uh, and if you're struggling for sort of stability at the wide receiver position, you can do much worse than him as your wide receiver three. Yeah, I absolutely love that. I saw a trade go down in one of my leagues where um, someone picked up a... Kendrick Bourne share who's contending and I, I love that for flex for like an extra flex yeah. play if you need to cover a, a bye week or a or an injury so I, I'm with you on that let's move on to Antonio Gibson he had an 111 rushing yards and 35 on the, in the air he's the RB 21 in points per game and the RB 17 overall so the one thing that I've really noticed about him is when he has great games, I see a lot of people, especially on Twitter, saying, oh, Antonio Gibson is brilliant. But when he has not great games, has like poor games, I don't see that slating of him like you tend to see. I, I, it's kind of like the opposite of Kendrick Bourne. Yeah. You tend not to see anything about Kendrick Bourne in general, but for Gibson, you don't see the praise. Or you see the praise, you don't see anything else. I think with that Washington offense, it's really up and down. I spoke last week about Terry McLaurin having really up and down season. And just to give you a bit of an idea, listeners, Antonio Gibson has had either single digit games or games around circa 20 points. There's no in between. I think the lowest double digit game he's got is 15 points in PPR. So I think Gibson, although he's a riser because people have seen him have two great weeks out of the past three, I think I, I'm starting to reevaluate how I view Gibson because he's got five double digit games on the season, and that's it out of 12 weeks. Yeah, and it's not what you expect for the price that you had to pay for him in the offseason, and especially um, we had that group of second year backs this year. Uh, who have really either boomed or busted or, I suppose, um, got very injured. Um, and you sort of expect that explosion from Gibson. And we have, like you say, we have seen it in some weeks, but we've not seen the consistency that you really want to have from your RB1. And I think you're... I really like Gibson. I really like the talent and maybe usage is some of it. Um, but I don't think you're seeing the level of consistency that I want, would want to see from my running back one. No, I think this is where I'm kind of at right now with Gibson. He he is a solid RB2, probably where we're looking, or for me anyway, probably where we're looking at Clyde Edwards-Hilaire before the season. Yeah, I think that's probably where I, I value him right now. Let's move on to the fallers, Lewis. So ones that I put on here, I kind of put them together to group them up a little bit because they're in the same kind of category for me. One's doing worse than the other. 
Um, and if Richard was around, I would be digging um, a little bit of a hole with him. <laughs> but yeah, let, let, let's start with Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson as a group. We can split them up if you want. But Trevor, so Trevor Lawrence, for example, he is the QB twenty-two on on the year, but the QB thirty-five in points per game. Yeah. And then Zach Wilson is the QB thirty-one in um, points per game, and the QB thirty-five. Sorry, I got Trevor Lawrence mixed up. It's twenty-two points per game, thirty-eight in. No, ignore that, listeners. I've messed up my notes, <laughs> so I won't be cutting that out because I don't want to do the editing. So let's start that again. Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. Trevor Lawrence, QB twenty-two. Um, and then QB 35 in points per game, and then 30, QB 31 for Zach Lawrence, uh, Zach Wilson, and QB 38 in points per game. Now, can you start talking so I don't keep digging myself a hole that I might need to edit <laughs> later? Um, no because for, for me, they both need to improve, and I can see them yeah. improving with better rosters. But right now, I just see there is talent deprived rosters and don't think there's a there's an end in sight at the moment yeah so and, and i do kind of like both of them as fallers in terms of if we're looking specifically at value the value of both is significantly fallen um i was actually pretty out on zach wilson um even so far back as pre-draft um i was in on trevor lawrence everyone was in on trevor lawrence that doesn't really mean anything um but I think the difference between both of them for me in terms of I think Trevor uh, Trevor Lawrence's value is dropping because he's not come in and been the same um the the absolute golden boy of the NFL that we were expecting to see right away but I think a lot of that has to do with situation when you sit back and watch film um you see wide receivers gaining no separation you see terribly schemed up plays um you see a, a lot of drops from them as well um, and just things being put together in a way that you wouldn't necessarily do to help rookie quarterbacks. Um, so I think Trevor Lawrence, I can see the path to him becoming Trevor Lawrence again. I think it happens when uh, when Urban Meyer takes uh, a college job this offseason with, I think, uh, North Dakota State as, or no, sorry, not, no, Notre Dame has just opened up. Um, yeah. So maybe Urban Meyer leaves to go and take that and then they can bring in an actual NFL coach. Uh, Zach Wilson, I'm much lower on. Zach Wilson, I think what I'm seeing from him, especially, uh, obviously, we've seen him live at the London Games as well. Um, this is a very reductive way of putting it, but it seems to me like it's more his fault. Um, I'm seeing him escaping pretty safe pockets pretty early on. I actually quite like the Jets' offensive line, especially the uh, the left side uh, with Vera Tucker and Beckton. Um, and I like a few of the Jets' weapons. Uh, I really like Elijah Moore. Uh, I'm quite a big Corey Davis fan as well. Um, so I think there's better weapons there than we're seeing uh, in Jacksonville. Um, but what I'm seeing from Zach Wilson is is a, a kid who has been the most talented player on the field any time he's played um, and kind of still thinks he is. Um, so you're seeing him trying to make plays that when they come off, amazing he looks like Patrick Mahomes in the way that people wanted to him uh, wanted him to um when they don't come off he gets picked seven times by the Patriots I think it was um you know I'm I'm normally when a rookie underproduces I'm quite happy to buy at that low cost I just bought Terrace Marshall for quite cheap um with Zach Wilson because what I'm seeing on the field I'm not liking and uh I'm not 100% sure I have faith in the organization to develop him um i'm i'm sort of staying away as much as possible we'll put the record right for the listeners it was four um interceptions <laughs> against the patriots and you probably were exaggerating a little yeah. bit but i don't want to say that he's worse than um than what was his name um nathan Peterman, is it? Nathan Peterman, the, yeah. The Bills, when he threw so many... Yeah, that was an awful game, but we'll move on from that. So, Zach Wilson, I think with a first-year head coach and such a talent-deprived roster in general, I think that a lot has, has been put on his shoulders. And yeah. like you said, he he's kind of going back to the safe place, in quotation marks, I suppose, that 
in during his career so far, he has been one of the most talented, if not the talent, most talented player on the field on his team. So he's always been the one to bail out teams. Whereas in the NFL, he's hopefully very quickly learning that that it doesn't work unless yeah. you're someone like an Aaron Rodgers who took a year. Like, let's not forget, Aaron Rodgers didn't start for the first three years, and he still took quite a bit of time to get used to getting into the game and doing what he does now. Same with Russ Wilson. Wilson yeah. didn't start and just immediately become this scrambling quarterback that does everything that you expect him to do. With Lawrence, I'm more in on buying Lawrence, but yeah. as you said, the price is higher. I think with with Lawrence, you, you, you've seen the offense and you're kind of wondering who the wide receiver one is there because Marvin Jones, really, he's their leading wide receiver. And I know a lot of people were touting him as the wide receiver three. Like yep. DJ Chark um, has been injured. And then LaVisca Chenault, who everyone was, or a lot of people were pretty high on, yep. hasn't done anything at all. Yes, you lost Etienne, who would have been able to essentially play a Kyle Pitts role where he moved into the slot a lot more. But they lost him as well. Dan, they had to trade for Dan Arnold, and he's been the talk of Jacksonville for the past two weeks, and then he's been injured. So yeah, I think Lawrence, you probably see a new head coach next year. As you said, maybe Urban Meyer does move back to the um, college scene. Um, with with the whole Lincoln Riley move and, yeah. and jobs potentially opening up left, right, and center there now, but Lawrence, yeah, I, I think it's a great time to buy him. Yeah. Um, but I do wonder what people would be willing to sell him for because of the high draft capital people put into him. I don't think a lot of them will want to give up. Um, no, and, and whereas I Wilson, I think that people are a lot more ready to give up on him one because he's been worse but two because you probably didn't have to put as much into him he was probably the quarterback four if not the quarterback five in a lot of rookie startups or rookie yeah. drafts yeah exactly and, and i think i'd be really interested to see i i, I really hope that uh, DJ Chark ends up because he's a free agent this year ends up taking a team friendly deal for a year and then resetting based off the injury year because they seem to have a quite nice connection in the first game and a half that Chark managed to get through um, I think that a lot of the problem for Lawrence is genuinely he played with better talent in college than he's playing with now um, you know throwing to T Higgins as well like that's T Higgins would be the clear wide receiver one uh, on Jacksonville and I think if they can spend some draft capital and some money in free agency it's a pretty good wide receiver class um, Let's not forget my boy Amari Rogers was on that on that <laughs> Come on yeah. Amari Rogers um, who is an absolute fumble machine uh, at the for, moment yes for the Packers. <laughs> I, I don't think it's him I think it's whoever is catching the ball on yes. special teams is just prone to fumbling the, the whole special teams is cursed right now for the Packers. yes and <laughs> um, I will say DJ Chark is a free agent next year so maybe we don't see that connection um but I do expect the Jags to come into free agency and spend a lot of money and if not capital as well so let's move on to someone that you put onto the list, Lewis. TJ Hawkinson. It just seems like you want to start me off and try tight end rants all the way through this episode. <laughs> so I he's just... the tight end three or the tight end six in PP uh, in points per game. I, I don't know where you want to start with TJ Hawkinson because he's doing okay, but if you look at his actual scores, I don't think he's returning the investment that you probably put in. And that's the key thing for me is the return on investment. Um, TJ Hawkinson for me was uh, coming into the season, um, obviously having the pretty set in stone top three, uh, Kyle Pitts, I'm going to put separately in a tier of his own. Uh, Hawk was who I was looking at, uh, especially because uh, as a Rams fan, uh, I've seen Jared Goff succeed. Um, I've seen him do well. I've seen him perform as a pretty you know, average Andy Dalton style quarterback that you can win with. Um, obviously, he's not playing up to that, but Hawk was the clear and only um, receiving threat in the team, uh, aside from obviously Swift at the backfield. 
Um, so we thought, you know, Hot can have a 50% target share or that's exaggerating, but genuinely no reason why he couldn't be up in the high 30s. Um, and we thought that he would be able to explode a little bit more into, you know, a PPR weapon. You like tight ends who were the number one or number two target on their offense. Um, that was clearly going to be the case with Hawk. Um, and when you now look at that return on investment, he, you know, he hasn't been bad, but he's been really propped up by touchdowns um, in the bigger games. Uh, so obviously started off really well, but there were touchdowns in both games. Followed that up with weeks three to five um, with lower than 10 um, points in each game. Uh, and he's been sort of bouncing around the 10 point mark, which you can't really complain about at the tight end position in PPR. But the issue for me is the price that you put in compared to the output that you're getting currently and then the future output as well. Um, the uh, the dead cap for Jared Goff is somewhere around 25 million, I believe. You know, he's going to be on the roster next year. And in terms of then, obviously, they do have the draft capital maybe to trade for a quarterback. I can't see that they will because the roster isn't anywhere near close enough. I think they're probably going to be taking a quarterback with the Rams pick. Uh, and then setting him for a year, um, I don't think you're going to be getting the return on Hawkinson anytime soon. Um, so that's why he's a, he's a faller for me, uh, because I think it's about the optimism before the season and the price you'll have had to pay for him uh, where you had to draft him compared to what you're getting currently, but then what the outlook is looking like for next season as well. I can't see the Lions offense improving at all. As usual for me, top tight ends are probably a sell more so um, than not. But yeah, if if you find someone that is just looking at the overall stats of, on the season, um, you're probably getting a much better price than what he's actually giving you in production. Yeah. So moving on, Lewis, we've got DK Metcalf is the other person you wanted to talk about. So wide receiver 21 on the season and wide receiver 24 in points per game. Um, you could basically copy and paste what I've said about um, yeah. AJ Brown in this section but take away the injury news and probably put it more on a little bit of production and injury for his quarterback yeah exactly and and this is a similar thing um in terms of the return on investment and the price that you might still get for dk metcalf but part of the elite price for dk metcalf wasn't just his production it was uh russell being tied to russell wilson for his career um that now looks like it might not be the case whether it's just because Russell Wilson might not be elite anymore or whether it's because Russ is going to move elsewhere. Um, we're seeing that, you know, DK's a threat to take it to the house whenever he touches the ball, but I think he's dropped beyond the, the tier that I spoke about earlier of those young elite weapons. Um, I think he's clearly dropped below those. Um, he's quite difficult to even consider starting at the moment just because he's had, you know, like one interception in, uh, one interception one reception in the last couple of games uh, or in the last game and then four the week before three the week before that um it's quite difficult to start and that's not what you want to be getting from someone that you had to draft what back of the first early second i just think it's a massive fall from grace considering that a lot of talk around dk last year was um he's the he's the new wide receiver one in dynasty and um, yeah and you're probably seeing what we saw with AJ Brown. Um, so I, I think that he definitely is a faller and has been falling for the past couple of weeks. Yeah. So let's move on then, Lewis, to the stars of the week we've got. Um, I, I decided to go with Matt Jones this week. He had an absolutely great game, and this is probably me looking at film more than actual fantasy production because he only scored... 20 points or 21 points this week, which is the highest score he's had all year. He's not had over 20 points for the rest for any game this year, which to me is crazy for someone that has been talked about so much. Um, he had 32 attempts for 23 completions, 310 um, air yards, and two touchdowns in the air. And then he also had two rushing attempts for 11 yards. So that's basically menial. But um, he had an absolutely great game in the air. He was the QB6 on the week, which goes to show if he's only just getting over 20 points on um, or in, in the game and he was the QB6, that goes to show what type of week it was this week for the yeah. QB position at least. Um, but going forward, I like Mac Jones. 
I just think that the hype is getting a little bit too far from what I would see as a, a limited ceiling player. Um, yeah, I, I inquired in a rebuild uh, a couple of weeks ago and was quoted Amari Cooper and a late first. Um, wow. So, no. I, I know that giving up or getting a quarterback without giving up one is always a tough deal in Superflex, but... I think you could probably get a better deal for your late first alone. You could probably go out and get someone like a Baker Mayfield right now. Yeah. Um, who is probably going to be there for another year at least. I know he's not a sexy pick, but he, he'll at least tidy by. Yeah. Um, but let's move on, Lewis. Your wide receiver or your player of the week. Yeah. Uh, so I've gone for Michael Gallup. Uh, who I thought was really interesting listening to the show last week uh, was was someone you'd spoken about a lot. And I just really like when uh, a player comes in with a lot of expectations. Uh, he's a huge waiver pickup. Um, he's, you know, Lamb's out, Cooper's out. It's a game with a higher over under. Everyone's starting Gallup thinking this is the audition for him going forwards. And he showed what he could do. Um, he, he had uh, eight targets, five receptions, uh, 106 yards. Uh, there was a, a, a missed, a very big miss from from Dak in the end zone, um, which definitely should have been a touchdown. Um, but he led he led the Cowboys in receiving yards. Uh, should have had a touchdown as well. Uh, and even though he's about to return to third on the depth chart, it was a great audition for what he's going to be doing next year in free agency. Um, really interested to to talk about and to see as we head towards the off-season, where the landing spot might be. Uh, maybe actually having just spoken about the Lions, having just spoken about the Jags, those could be some interesting spots for him um, because they're very wide receiver needy, but there's a lot of wide receiver needy teams in the league. But I just think as in terms of a star of the week for me, it's great when someone is hyped up uh, as a waiver option and they perform to exactly what you need from them. Yeah, I think, although I don't expect Gallup to go away and beat a wide receiver one next year for any team, yeah. Um, I think having Gallup as a wide receiver two is absolutely brilliant. And then the Cowboys having him as a wide receiver three is insane. Yeah. So um, I really do like him as a, not a buy low right now because of the type of game he's had. Maybe look in a couple of weeks time if yeah. your trade deadline doesn't pass or you don't have a trade deadline, which is what I want in all of my leagues. I had a passionate rant late last night Um in one of my leagues, because the commission basically said it's non-negotiable. We're having a trade deadline. I was like, okay, but why? Um, I wasn't expecting to change the the decision. I was just trying to figure out why people want a trade deadline so much. Yeah. And it's the only reason I could find was because the NFL has one. Um, and I, I may have got a bit pedantic and I said, why not have 32 teams and... Yeah, <laughs> and 54 plus rosters and 53 man rosters and stuff, but um, that that's a whole other argument that we're not going to have yeah. time for this week. <laughs> Michael Gallup specifically, I'd love him as a buy in the next couple of weeks if you can get him, um, maybe after this week because he's boom bust when the Cowboys have all of their options. So, deep dive of the week, Lewis. Um, we wanted to talk about Elijah Mitchell. He had an absolutely great game. We have touched on him, so we won't spend too much time on him. But he had 27 rushing attempts for 133 yards and a touchdown. And not only that, he also got passing game work. He got five receptions for 35 yards. Are we seeing a new running back one in San Fran? Well, I think it's quite an interesting one. If Trey Sermon was performing the way that Eli Mitchell has been performing, we'd be talking about him as a top 12 dynasty running back. Um, the draft capital still scares me um, because we've seen recently, you know, Philip Lindsay, James Robinson, that even when you have a low capital back that performs, um, teams are still kind of guided by draft capital as opposed to we would think you go, okay, you've managed to get a running back really cheap. Brilliant. That's what everyone wants, but they don't seem to be acting that way. Um, but Carl Shanahan has really shown an indication to ride the hot hand, uh, and it seems like Eli Mitchell has established himself as the running back one there. Um, I think we can really thank the O-line and particularly Trent Williams for that. I always love to give a shout out to the big guys. <laughs> um, my brother's an O-line coach uh, and I'm a big guy myself, so I always appreciate them. Uh, Trent Williams is playing at like, what should be an offensive player of the year pace, but he doesn't play 
uh, a position where they're they're ever given credit, so he's never going to win it. But in the run game, he's been an absolute monster. And Eli Mitchell has shown a lot of patience in his running, um, but also like really hits the hole hard. <laughs> um, and I yeah. think he, he does everything they need in that run game. Um, and especially when you've got, you know, other weapons around him. When I was talking about that triple option idea, when you've got Trey Lance as well, that's only going to open up more holes for Eli Mitchell going forwards. Um, I don't think he's a top 12 option. Um, I don't think he's particularly close to that. But actually, as a running back too, I think you may find yourself a gold mine in the rookie draft. Yeah, I... I still stand by selling him a high right now because of that offense and that backfield. I don't trust it one bit. One week you can have a week like this, and next team might not even get five carries, ten carries. Yeah. So, I will say with Elijah Mitchell, when you compare them to James Robinson or um, Philip Lindsay to a lesser extent, I would argue that those two are more of a more of a volume based running back, which is like yeah. what what Rich always. Um, doesn't like he Elijah Mitchell have just under five yards of carry in this game. He doesn't seem to be that volume based running back. Yes, volume based running backs may if you give them 27 carries, probably can rip off a good run. <laughs> but I think with his profile as well, you'd see a lot more to Elijah Mitchell's game. Um, yeah, so see, so yeah, I, I quite like Mitchell for not. A volume based running back, but I do see your point with the the draft capital. Yeah, the the worry for me is that they traded up for Sermon, and they really liked him as a prospect. And Sermon has done bits of pieces occasionally when he's not a healthy scratch. Uh, it worries me that they may potentially be tied to the draft capital of Sermon and look to get him more involved going forwards. Uh, even though Mitchell has clearly been uh, the better running back one on the field. So moving on to the spotlight player of the week. Um, this is a guy that I put in here as a, a, a maybe option. And you were like, yes, let's do let's do this guy. So Hunter Renfro. Um, yes, Waller left the game halfway through. and um, But I really like Hunter Renfro, again, for more of a flex option. He seems to be yeah. getting that, those PPR targets. They call him third and Renfro because... On third down, Carr looks for him, not Waller, who is probably the most dynamic player on third downs. Renfro is picking up those third downs for for their Raiders. So he yeah. he had nine targets for eight receptions and 134 yards. That's a lot for a guy that apparently only gets looked at for third downs. Um, yeah. we, this is kind of the role that we're of, we were hoping, or a lot of the community were hoping Brian Edwards would go into. Um, but we, we, we're seeing right now that this isn't the case and it's Renfro's role. Yeah, I really, really like Renfro at the moment. I've liked him since the beginning of the season. I actually drafted him uh, in a few places and have picked him up where I can. Um, he's only had two games under 10 points this season. Um, I don't actually think he's had a game over 20 points. Oh, no, except the, the last one was the his first game over 20 yeah. points this season. Uh, that's what you're going to see from Renfro. And the similar argument that I spoke about with Kendrick Bourne of he's a really reliable weapon uh, for the quarterback. Uh, the third and Renfro thing has stuck since college. That's since Clemson. Um, so, you know, he was one of Trevor Lawrence's favourites as well. Um, but he's a really, really reliable weapon that's that's developed a lot, like the, the route running that we're seeing posted all over Twitter. Anytime he does a weird triple move for a touchdown, um, you're going to see such a stable floor from Renfro, and I think that's going to stick. Be interesting to see what they do this offseason with the wide receiver position, because obviously uh, the Ruggs incident, uh, Edwards not really developing the way we wanted him to. Um, Djax is obviously only there until the end of the season. So uh, after this season, you're really only looking at Renfro and Waller as reliable weapons. So it may be that they look to draft someone or bring someone in free agency, in which case Renfro goes back more to the slot uh, and sees slightly less targets if there's other options there. Um, but again, for your wide receiver three position, for your flex spot, having a stable floor of 10 points is is fantastic. Yeah, he is definitely that consistent option. Um, so, Lewis, that concludes the pod this week. Um, how have you How have you felt that's gone? Because I know that this is, I believe, your second or third pod. It's not, not that many in. 
no no it's it's my it's my second pod with you guys and i think it's only my third ever podcast or maybe third or fourth overall um but you know as i was talking to you about beforehand this is just my favorite thing to sit and talk about um so i don't really tend to get nervous because it especially <laughs> sitting and talking with someone like you that i'm really happy to just it's like we're sat over a pint with a football out of the background i'm really really happy sitting and talking about these things um it's nice as well obviously uh having my operation recently i've been out of the game a little bit so nice to sit down and, and really talk some dynasty with you well hopefully that's kick-started you back and and yeah that um operation as you've spoken to us has gone well so hopefully you get back into the game a lot more um i would say hopefully the rams get better um after last <laughs> week but that means that you're chasing us um in the playoff race so i'm gonna leave you with that one so guys <laughs> that has been the five yard dynasty podcast now it's been a little bit different with a different host but i hope you enjoyed it as usual the dynasty podcast is brought to you by manscape so that is five yard for 20 percent off and free worldwide shipping and we will see you next week thank you everyone HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive, who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm gonna do this to protect myself. Do it for them, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.